Welcome to the Rise of a Chosen Generation podcast, where it's all about Jesus. I pray that this message inspires you to press in to know the Lord. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned for more. the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Um, so as I was saying, as I was just waiting on the Lord, the Lord told me to speak to you guys about the word of God. So this is the scripture that just popped up in my spirit and I started to read through the whole chapter and basically everything that you had laid on my heart is in that chapter. So I was just like, ha, I heard right. So I kind of got very excited. I'm sure there's many times in our, in our Christian lives where the Lord might speak to us, and we doubt, you know, because there isn't any confirmations or anything of that nature. But we all need to learn to trust our relationship with the Lord, isn't it? To learn the voice of God to us specifically. Some people, I remember there's a time, this is not part of what I'm talking about. There's a time where, I think it was probably in one of the studies, there's a time where I used to feel very inferior because people used to talk about how they heard the voice of God audibly. So I'm just like, so have I been hearing? Or I've just been playing around and, you know. And then over time, the Lord began to teach me exactly how he speaks to me. And this didn't just happen overnight. You know, it was a process of continual communion and fellowship with the Lord in prayer and in the word of God. And before, okay, not before you knew it. But as time went on, I became confident now in, 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 what, in the voice of God in my life. So I urge each one of you guys to continue to pursue God. You know, it's, it's not far-fetched. Jesus is actually a reality. He's not just a theory or something to just know in our heads. But he's actually a person to be known, isn't it? So I think about the psalmist. He said that his soul thirsts and his flesh longs for God. So there must have been a physical manifestation that caused even his flesh to want to encounter God, isn't it? So going back to the particular scripture from Revelation 19 verse 10, the Bible says that the spirit, hey, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Many times, I'm talking about the word of God, by the way. So basically every testimony of Jesus Christ is an invitation to, en to encounter him at a deeper level. Whenever we go into the word of God, when, it, when we go into the scriptures to read them, the Holy Spirit is always there to do what? To testify of Jesus, isn't it? So whenever we go to read the scriptures, we shouldn't be too fixed on knowing what the Bible says, but we should actually focus on getting to know who? Jesus, the one whom they reveal. Um, please quickly turn to John 5.39. Basically, this is one of the confrontations that Jesus had with those religious people. 5.39 verse 40. Hey, 5.39 to 40. So basically, even the scriptures themselves testify of Jesus Christ. 
But if we search the scriptures to know the scriptures, we might miss out on Jesus himself, isn't it? He said in the, in, in, in the verse 40, after telling them that you search the scriptures, thinking that in them you will find eternal life, but they actually testify of who? Of Jesus himself. But because they didn't allow the testimony of Jesus in the scriptures to affect the way their heart is postured toward God, they missed out on him and they didn't actually desire to come to Jesus. Do you see what happens over there? So basically, sometimes we, we do usually go to the scriptures to read them and it remains in our heads, you know, because we are without encounter and we don't press in a lot to actually know the Holy Spirit and allow him to breathe life into what we are reading. So we end up just growing in our knowledge about the Bible. We end up growing in our knowledge about Jesus and he remains a historical figure. You know, but Jesus is a present reality. Jesus is alive today, isn't it? Tell your neighbor that Jesus is alive today. Tell your other neighbor that Jesus is alive today. It's all about Jesus. We as, as Christians, as children of God rather, let me use that phrase instead. As children of God, we always need to understand that it is all about Jesus. And when we make it about anything else, we actually miss the point entirely. It's all about Jesus. I feel like this is something that we ourselves need to really have in our hearts because it's something that will really change the way we, we actually live when we understand that everything is about Jesus and Jesus is the point of it all. It's at that moment that we actually stop incorporating Jesus into our lives but actually make him the point of it, in essence. Does that make sense? That we're no longer living with Christ as part of our lives, but he becomes the very point, the very center, the Lord of our lives. The Bible says that he is the Alpha and the Omega. And should be in Ephesians, which talks about how he descended and ascended so that he may feel all things. So basically, he's the Alpha and the Omega and everything in between. Sometimes we usually run away from the presence of God when we find that something is wrong or that we've fallen away from God. But Jesus himself is the diagnostic measure and the remedy. He'll tell you rather what's wrong and he will fix you still, isn't it? So whenever we might feel that we are not where we are supposed to be, that's actually not the time to run away, but to actually run toward God because God honors pursuit more than perfection, isn't it? Because Jesus is perfection. So when we pursue Jesus, what are we actually pursuing? Perfection in essence. So tell your neighbor one more time that it is all about Jesus. We do not find eternal life in the scriptures, but in the one that they reveal. Isn't it? Hell, even, you know how David said that even though I make my bed in hell, your presence is still there. Isn't it? That's the omnipresence of God, not his manifest presence. So basically hell is like that place where God is not manifesting at all. 
So there is absolutely no revelation of his goodness. It's just absolute torture. And then there's the other end, which is eternal life, which has been given to us at, when we gave our lives to Christ. So in essence, Jesus himself is the word of God. Continuing in Revelation 19, um, verse 13, it says, And he was clothed, he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name, was, his name is called the word of God. His name is actually called the, the Word of God. <sighs> Could we quickly turn our Bibles to 1 John 1, verse 1 to 3. So basically, Jesus himself is the point of it all. He is the center of the gospel message. There's a statement that I heard the other day that when you, when you present Christ to people, don't forget to tell them about Jesus. I was like, oh my God. Many of us usually have this, um, <laughs> oh, they'll see Christ through me. <laughs> and then you go on through life, just saying, yeah, they'll see Christ through me. Six years later, they'll see Christ through me. How's about saying, yo, do you know Jesus? I think you should try it. It can be awkward, but you never know what's going to happen. Amen. This, this portion of scripture speaks of encounter. He's not just relaying a message that he heard or a message that he read. He says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, the emphasis is very important, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Isn't it? That speaks of encounter. This is John who was writing it. So of course, his encounter with the Lord is different from ours because he, got, he was an eyewitness and he got to be with the Lord for the, the, the entire time of his ministry, isn't it? Basically, he's saying what he's telling them, he's, he's speaking under the authority of the encounter that he had with Jesus. Sometimes we do not change in our lives because the word, the scriptures remain in our head. They remain as a theory, and theory has absolutely no power to change anybody. It is Jesus himself who has the power to change us. We are not only going through the scriptures so that we learn them. It's very important to actually have them in our hearts. And besides, there's many people who apply biblical principles and they get the results, but they do it outside of relationship. But for those of us who have come to know the Lord, it is very important that we continue to pursue, you know, 
encounters with Jesus Christ so that even when we speak, even when we live our lives, we're not living out of the authority of our own intellect, but because we've encountered Jesus, we're living under the authority of Jesus Christ himself, you know? So, where was I? 1 John 1, verse 2 to 3. Hey, 1 John 1, 2 to 3. That which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you, that ye may also have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. So basically, if we remain with a theoretical knowledge of Jesus Christ, we cannot actually truly fellowship with him. You know, because all that we know about him is in our heads and not essentially in our hearts, you know. And the Bible says in John 4, verse 23 and 24, that the Father seeks those that will worship him in what? In spirit and in truth. Because God himself is spirit. So our communion with him is not in the flesh, but it is in what? In spirit. So if we do not allow the word of God to really sip into our hearts, if we do not allow the Holy Spirit to actually work on the word that we have, you know, put in our hearts, we will never get to know Jesus Christ. You know, so I just want to encourage each and every one of us that in everything that we do, be it in prayer, be it in fellowship with one another, be it in studying the scriptures, let's always have this not at the back of our minds, but let this actually be the posture of our hearts, that it is Jesus that I'm looking for. And since the scriptures testify of him, and the Holy Spirit too, he delights in testifying about Jesus Christ. Do you guys realize that? There is no jealousy whatsoever in the Godhead. Like sometimes um, we as people might actually impute our own weaknesses on God, and we justify our lack of encounter, saying, eh. but in essence, there is absolutely no jealousy, absolutely no jealousy in the Godhead. It's like the Holy Spirit delights in revealing Jesus to us. The Father himself delights in making all things about Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews 1 verse 1, You see, even the Father delights in making it all about Jesus. I mean, he's appointed Christ as the heir of all things. It's very beautiful to even behold. And, he say, and it also says in that scripture that in this time, God has determined to speak through who? His son. You know? So, I just want us to turn our attention. I don't know where this, this particular scripture is. The... Um, story about the Syrophoenician woman. The Syrophoenician woman. Okay, let me tell you the story. Basically, this woman is not of Jewish descent, isn't it? She comes to Jesus and tells her about, is it the daughter or the son who was demon-possessed or something? And Jesus said, it is not meet for me to give the bread of the children to what? To dogs. 
Some of us in this place would have caught feelings. So it says it's not meat for us to give, for me to give the bread of the children to what? To dogs. And then this woman, what she does, she doesn't catch feelings, but she turns, the Bible says, and she worships and says, even the dogs eat the crumbs. So basically, Christ, God had determined. This is, okay, Jesus Christ's ministry was how long? About three and a half years, isn't it? I didn't necessarily do a time check in, in, in studying that particular story. His ministry was three and a half years, and then the ascension, and then the day of Pentecost, and then there's like a 10, is it 10 years? should be 10 years between the inception of the church and the first Gentile coming into Christ, which is Cornelius. That's Acts 10. Yeah the first Gentile coming into Christ, which is in Acts 10. So there's like a space of at most 13 years between this encounter with the, the, the encounter that this lady had with Jesus Christ. So I was just thinking about it. I was like, huh. So there's something about us actually having faith in Christ that can pull out of the future into the now, something that God himself ordained to happen in a later time to happen now, when we actually decide to press in, you know, into an encounter. Like, we can encounter Jesus. Oh, we feel nice about all of that. But what then do I do when his presence is actually in the place? Do I just chill there and enjoy and start to feel nice? Or do I actually press in and allow his presence to change me from the inside? That's what this woman basically did. She worshipped and decided like, okay, you've said this, I could potentially be offended, but I choose in this moment not to be offended, but rather to respond in what? In faith. Because Jesus also says that, will I, he commended this woman's faith and said, even in Israel, we don't, you know, there isn't such faith. So, ah, that thing wrecked me when I saw it. So basically sometimes, the children of Israel, they were now comfortable with the fact that they were the chosen people of God. So they grew familiar, even with the ways of God, that most of them were actually not pressing in to encounter. But this particular woman who knew that she was not yet in the family, she heard about Jesus. She heard about what Jesus could do. She had seen what Jesus could do. So that in itself was an invitation to her to actually desire to encounter Jesus. And when she finally did encounter Jesus, even though it seemed as though she was not going to get what she wanted to get, she bypassed the whole catching of feelings and all of that and tapped in to the presence of the Lord by faith. There's also blind Bartimaeus who heard that Jesus was in the vicinity. What did he do? He shouted, son of David, have mercy on me. The people around him told him it's time to keep quiet. It's not easy. But he shouted even louder because he knew that even though I may be in the presence of God, if I do not press in to him, I will not get what I need in this moment. It's given that each and every one of us need God. The Bible says that Jesus is the desire of all nations. Isn't it? It's given. Everybody needs God, but it's not everyone that wants him. And God wants to be wanted. Want has to do with will, isn't it? So if we don't fully engage our will to know the Lord, if we don't fully engage our will to encounter the Lord, and if we don't fully engage our will to press in 
and siphon what we need from his presence, we can actually flourish as the children of God, as he has ordained us to. Does that make sense? I'll quickly read from Revelation 19, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife, the church, has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the, of, of the saints. The fine linen that the wife, that the bride of Christ was arrayed in is the righteousness of the saints. Another translation says the righteous works of the saints. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5 verse 24, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her by the washing of the water of the word of God, isn't it? So basically, Jesus Christ himself is the word and the word that he speaks to us actually washes us. You know, have you, I don't know, maybe some of us have had this experience where maybe someone has said something to us or about us that does not necessarily line up with what God says. And then when you went back maybe to the scriptures or the Holy Spirit witnessed to your heart that you are not what that person says, but you are what I am. It is in those moments that the Holy Spirit is washing away. What is, is washing away all these false identities. Maybe it might have been depression the Lord gives you his word to wash away anything that is not of him. Because in essence, what sin actually is, though we might enjoy it and all of that, when God delivers us and tells us to stop sinning, is basically just telling us to stop doing what we were never created to do in the first place. You know, I asked the question this one day that, if all I know about Jesus is what I have heard from other people, is there any level of intimacy there? So I don't know how many of us in this place have desired to go deeper with the Lord, but I feel it very strongly now that the Holy Spirit is inviting us to know him even deeper. The theme of the semester was that I may know him. But I know for sure that this was just foundational for where God wants to take each one of us as individuals, first of all. So, I don't know. I just want you to begin to speak to your father in this moment. Just tell him how much you desire more of him. how you want to know him at a deeper level. If at all that's the desire of your heart. Just begin to convey that message to the Lord in this moment. It really doesn't matter what you might have done or if you feel like you might have lost out a lot of stuff during the semester. But the Lord is here for you now. 
and he is going to work with you from now on going onwards if you would respond to his call in this moment. 